All right, it's, it's good to be with you this morning. It's good to look out and see your faces or at least your eyes to see some shapes and far off shapes out there. As mentioned, we're in Job. And if you don't know where Job is, it's completely okay to look in your table of contents, which is like page seven of most Bibles. It's completely okay. One simple cheat that you might find is like it, most people can flip open and find Psalm, the, the Psalms, and it is just to the left of that if you're needing help with it. So, so there's no shame in it. We would actually love for you to bring a Bible, to read from your Bible, to see that we're not just making stuff up that we put on the screens, that we actually are preaching through God's word. And if you don't have access to a Bible, man, it would be an honor to get you one. I I would get you a Bible this week. We would make sure about that. And so if we can help in any way to get the the Bible in your hands, we want to do it. We want to do it. This is uh, a, a unique kind of moment. Again, I, I, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm sorry. I'm Chad Puggett. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and I get the, the joy, mostly the joy, of serving in this church. And then it's like sermons like this in which it doesn't always feel like a joy. It feels like uh, a bludgeoning. And so this, this past week, as I sat in this, and we're going to be in chapter two, the second half of chapter two, in all of chapter three today. And, and I just want you to know that this text is is, is difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult. And before we kind of dive into this, uh, I just want to kind of take a moment, a, a real personal moment. This isn't an illustration. I'm not, I'm not going to throw something up there on the screen. That we're not doing that. This is a real personal moment that uh, feels like it came out of prayer this week of, of each of us are, are carrying different things. And every single one of us has difficulties, painful circumstances, areas in their life which they would feel uh, maybe are suffering. And maybe that's not you right now, but I can uh, assure you that at some point it will be you. And if it's not you right now, praise God, but I'm also just as certain that each one of us in here knows someone that is going through it. And that would be true on any day, on any calendar of any year, we, we could find that to be true. But it is uh, most certainly true when we're in the midst of a global pandemic and we're in the midst of everything that's going on around us. And so you and I know people who are really hurting right now, are going through times that they might not be able to get their, their mind around and, and even know how to cope with it. That's exactly why we're diving into this book. That's exactly why we're sitting here. That's exactly why we're in it, that uh, this is actually for each and every one of us. And and that's why we're encouraging you just to tell people in your life, to tell people around you, neighbors, coworkers, friends, family, whoever it is, because there are people all around us, whether you're a student or whether you're a senior, who are feeling the weight of this world and don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do with it. And so we find ourselves in Job, which is in incredibly relevant. Sometimes we're like, wow, like, how is the Bible relevant to our lives? And, and it's even true where we'd say, like, what does Job have to do with us today? And, and, and friends, I, I just want to say, like, Job has everything to do with what we're going through today. 
everything to do. So last week, uh, Josh was here, and, and he introduced this book and kind of walked us through uh, a lot of it, and he, he threw different aspects out of it. But this, this book of Job is actually right here for us. It, it is poetry that is given to us. And again, you can argue uh, about some details and argue about different aspects of it, but this is, this is a, a, a a pathway that is given to us in the very word of God on, on what to do and how to deal with our pain. We get that. And I guarantee that you have people around you in your class, at your work, in your life that need answers to those things. And so I'd encourage you, one, just to, to think about them, think about your three, think about who in your life could be a part of this, and, and, and then tell them and invite them, not because we're trying to have some, like, pizza pig out where we pack the house. Actually, we want to throw our arms open and, and be a place of refuge and help for those around us. And so if you would, uh, will you pray for me because I feel the weight of this sermon and I'll pray for you as we step into this and we just say, God, meet us today. Meet us today. Father, we, we are so thankful for your grace. We're thankful uh, for all the ways in that you lift our souls. And, and we're also thankful for days in which we were in dark places that we feel the weight of this world. We, we, we can only say thank you for that in faith. And so, Father, meet us. I, I pray that we would have a faith that meets us in those valleys, that meets us on those dark nights, and, and that sustains us by your grace through whatever this world uh, has to offer. And whatever will come. And so God, open your word to us. Uh, help us to understand and, and help us to apply these things to our life. To see your grace even in what is happening here with Job. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. Just as uh, a, a reminder for us, like, like we step into the story and the first chapter and the beginning of the second chapter is all setting the scene. It lets us know kind of who the key players are. It, it, it tells us kind of like backstory and prologue to this. And, and we need to remember a couple things. Like this is not happening to Job because of his sin. Like one of the things that we talked about last week is, is like what's going on in Job's life, the utter devastation, <coughs> excuse me, from a man who uh, seemingly is on top of the world by all the possessions and everything that he's got. This isn't happening because of something in his life that he did. Remember, there's this conversation in heaven that Job is not privy to. Job has no idea about that. We get it from the author. We get this because of uh, the divine inspiration uh, of God giving us scripture. And we see this, but Job doesn't know this. He's unaware. So this, here's Job. He's blameless and unaware of all that's going on around him, other than he knows that life is really difficult right now. And difficult is an understatement. The... the the third thing I would throw out, Job is blameless in this and Job is unaware. But the third thing I, I think is worth us mentioning, and, and we didn't talk about last week, it really becomes apparent here today, is that Job is alone. 
Job is uh, utterly and terribly alone in ways that are really hard for us to kind of get our heads around. Uh, Midway through chapter 2, late in chapter 2, his wife curses him and walks away. And walks away. What we get in verse 11, it says this. Verse 11 says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. And you're like, well, Chad, he's not alone. No, wait a second. Think about this. They're not coming because social media posts told them. This is taking weeks, if not months, for the word to spread, for these friends to gather, for these friends to coordinate, and for his friends from all these different spots to get on the scene. Job, in this moment where we pick up this story, is utterly alone. He's gone from being on top of the world with a huge family, a huge business, and and seemingly everything going for him. And here's Job at the bottom in the darkest moment of his life. His spouse left him, and and there's literally no one there. And we'll return to the friends because they show up, right? They they show up. Like, we'll return to the friends here in a moment. But as we just kind of set the stage for this, you've got to catch just the moment that Job is in. And then there's, there's a concept that comes up here that isn't always true. It isn't always something that we recognize. It is true, but it isn't something that we recognize all the time. There's something going on here that's really important, and we've got to name it, we've got to define it, and we've got to see these ways in which it applies here in his life, and then ultimately in our lives as well. Job is lamenting. And that's a real word. That's something that matters. We even have a book of the Bible called Lamentations around this. Like a third of the Psalms are speaking towards lamenting. And and lamenting isn't wallowing. Lamenting isn't just crying or being sad. Lamenting is something uh, like thoroughly Christian and, and, and unique in how it is expressed. Lamenting is a form of prayer. Uh, a prayer infused with rawness, a, a prayer infused often with electricity, a prayer infused with all of our feelings and emotions and everything being on the table. It's the spilling of our guts before God in prayer. And what we have here isn't just that Job is sad. What we have here isn't just that Job is throwing a fit. Job isn't just like wallowing or or feeling sorry for himself. This is Job lamenting. And what he says in chapter 3 isn't just Job kind of like speaking and yelling and throwing a fit in his room. This is Job actually pouring everything out to God. Everything comes out to God. And after two uh, chapters of prologue, you get this kind of poem. And remember, this whole book is, is written, this is wisdom poetry, this is wisdom literature in this. And so there's some uh, license probably taken with some of this. Uh, we, we get taken inside Job's feelings. We get taken inside of what he's carrying and what he is feeling in a very real and raw way. This is Job where he can't sing anymore. 
maybe you've been in that spot where you feel like you can't sing and you, you feel like we come to this and, and Matt spoke to this of like, you might be carrying in things in which you, you feel like, I have, I have no words for what I'm feeling. Maybe you've experienced moments where you went to bed crying and you woke up crying and most likely you cried all the way through in the middle. That's where Job is at. And that's where we find ourselves. That's where this, this passage brings us. Lament is this language of living uh, between the poles of a hard life and really putting our hope in God. It's living between that. It's holding the tension of it. It's real. It's raw. It is remembering at all times. And Job Job laments in a way that is rare for our culture. It's rare. There's zero pretense. There's zero trying to like get God to bend to his will. He's just speaking his emotions in this. There's no hint of, of trying even to use the right language. Friends, like Job is going to say some things. We're going to see it on the screen in your, in your Bible. Job is going to say some things that you're like, you can't say that. Where you don't get to say that. Like, who gets to say that to God? Job is going to say some of those things. The good, the bad, the ugly of all of it. Job gives it. And here we find Job, like, desperately, trying desperately to get his experience and his faith together. And he's experiencing something that's really painful that he's having a really hard time squaring with what's going on in his life. And, and if I just need to connect the dots for you, if, if, if that's not something you need, <laughs> I guarantee that's something someone in your life needs. Because we get knocked sideways by things in life in which we say, how does a good God allow this to happen? How does, how does this happen in our lives? How is God loving and true and kind and full of grace and mercy? How is the God, this loving father that we just spent weeks talking about, how is it this same God that is allowing me to go through this moment? I, if that's not where you're at, my guess is that one day you will be. And that you certainly know people who are there right now. So as we march through this, I want you to see three things that are directly applicable to us. Three things that are, are present in Job's life. Three things that uh, may seem obvious. The first may seem obvious, but uh, the next might seem dangerous even. And we want to see those and then say, God, where where are you calling me to bring my whole self and no polish, no pretense, uh, no cleanup, but to bring my whole self before you in faith? You see, uh, Job, even in this, even in the ugliness, Job never doubts God. He never doubts that there is a God. He never doubts that God is in control. He never doubts that God is on his throne. He, he just is having a really hard time squaring his experience with this God who is revealed in Scripture. And the second thing that is right there is that Job never entertains, in all the words that we have here, in all these chapters, Job never entertains just hitting eject and committing suicide. 
We don't have Job thinking, like, I'm just getting out of this. This is terrible. And, and that's, that's a real sign that he's in a different spot. This is Job lamenting and prayerfully bringing all of it to a God who is bigger and scarier and mightier and more in control and, and also, like, more sovereign than he even recognized. It's, it's Job wrestling with all of those things. And so let's dive into the, these three uh, pieces that we all need to carry with us. And the first is this. Job needs his friends. Job needs his friends. There's a lot to be said about the friends, and, and we'll, we'll preach through that next week. We're, we'll take a deep look at, at, at Job's friends next week. Some good things, some bad things. Uh, Job's friends get beat up pretty good. But the, the reality is that Job needs his friends. And if he's been out there alone, his wife leads him, and, and it literally tells us that all he has had is broken shards of pottery in which he's scraping his skin with in this moment. Like, he is out there just weeping and going through this alone. Job needs this, these guys. And the word friend here used in scripture is actually one that's far different than how we, we tend to use it, the, how we've watered it down in our world. You could even sum up uh, Proverbs 18 uh, speaks of a man of many companions, what we might call Facebook friends. A man of many companions may come to ruin. If all you have are companions, if all you have are people on social media, if all you have are followers, uh, Proverbs 18.24 might be speaking to you. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, a, a, a friend is bound to you. Like biblical friendship is one who is bound to you in steadfast love. The, the, specific, the, the Hebrew word, it comes down to pledged, to unbreakable, to a covenant love, to loyalty. That's what is being spoken of here. And these guys are coming out of that kind of covenantal relationship that they have. That our brother is hurting and we are going to drop everything and go to this person. And notice Job chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. It says this. And when they saw him from a distance, the friends finally show up, and they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. Hey, here's a really important takeaway. <laughs> These three friends showed up in Job's life. They showed up and they shut up. It says that for seven days, they mourn with their brother. And they enter into his pain as much as they could to shoulder it with him. And too often we just come with answers or cliches, memes, nice thoughts, even appropriate verses 
when what we actually need are friends who show up in our life and sit and weep with us. You see, this is one of the most moving things in the whole book is that these three friends show up and for seven days, they just sit and weep with him. The depth, the importance of having friends in our lives who will come alongside you, will bear your burden, will meet you in your darkest spots. All of us need those things. If we're going to be really honest, church is often a place where we're really good at disaster response. We're really good at meal trains. We're really good at prayer chains. We're really good at some type of, even, even some level of correspondence. We're really good at sending a text message. We're really good at some of those kind of things. And I'm not beating them up. Like, I'm, I'm exposing my weakness as well. We're really good at one-off help. We're often really poor at being friends who come alongside and sit and weep with people. And one of the hopes that as we've met praying through this book, as we've met as a preaching team saying, God, what, are, what would you do in us in this time? One of the hopes that we have for all of our congregations, but specifically for this place, is that we would be a church, a people who would know how to come alongside and be biblical friends to people. To walk and meet with people, to sit and weep with people, to, to show up and to shut up. that we would be people who learn the brave, the brave act of just being present. That it, it, it is for the people that are really weeping, but what a witness to the world around us as well. Sometimes we, we just have a lot of answers, and sometimes we just kind of try to manage people through hard situations when our real calling is to weep with them. See, when someone's asking and wrestling with these questions like, where is your God? Where is God in the midst of it? There, there's a time for us to walk them to a text. And there's a time where we show up and just wrap our arms around people. And we let that do the talking to our neighbors and to the world around us. You see, it isn't just as a group of people. This is like directly related to us as well. For us, if, like, if we surround ourselves with people who just are, are the funds, they, they distract us, they entertain us. If we, if we surround ourselves with folks who are just the life of the party and, and just move us from event to event, that is fun for a season and it won't be with you in your darkest nights. And the same is true if you're the friend who is only there when things are smooth and, uh, and the party is happening, uh, you will not show up for people when it is their moment. 
And this passage makes it really clear that Job needs his friends and Job needs them. And as a, as a people of God, what we want to be are those who show up and don't simply check a box on a website. That we would be there. Maybe our, our trap is that we pretend like we can manage the difficulties of life on our own. When in reality, what we need is the body of Christ coming along a side of us and wrapping us up and lifting us up in those moments. You see, there is comfort in the presence of others. There, are, there is assistance. There is, is grace in the presence of others stepping into that. And there's a vulnerability too. Like what we see with Job is that he doesn't actually clean himself up to sit with his friends. Too often we feel like, I've got to clean up my house to have them in. I've got I've to get this better in my life. I've got to wipe away these tears. And what we actually need are friends who will take all of your clutter, all of your mess, all of your tears, and just sit with you in that, in that space. Which leads us to our second thing. Job needs his friends, but the second thing is, like, Job is emotionally volatile. Job is, is about to erupt, and here we are in chapter 3, and I want to walk you through several of these. Chapter 3, he says this in verse 3, let the day perish on which I was born. Verse 11, why did I not die at birth? Like this is raw, this is the raw feelings of somebody that is walking through some of the hardest moments of their life. If you have not experienced that, if you have not had thoughts that came across your mind in hard moments, like I, I, I wonder if you're actually like experiencing all of it because I, I guarantee you I have said it. I remember my father-in-law passed away suddenly. It was, it was devastating. <laughs> And at his funeral, we had several people at his funeral pray to receive Jesus. And, and like here, I'm opening my robe right now for you, okay? Like there are people at his funeral that prayed in faith to believe and trust in Jesus. And my words were, I'd rather have him back. I'd rather have him back than for those people to know Jesus. Like there's a rawness to that that's really ugly. I hate that that came across my, my voice, and yet I really felt it. And all these years later, I, I wish he was still here with us. But this is Job right here, and, and this goes right to what we, we read at the beginning. Pick it up with me in verse 20. Why is light given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter in soul, who, who long for death, but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease." Nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. I would guess 
that there are people here who could echo some of those words. I have no ease. I'm not quiet. Trouble has come upon my life and I don't know what to do. Again, if that's not you right now, that's someone you know. That's someone you know. Job lays it out there. He pours out his heart. He, he lays everything. He is even expressing like, why was I even conceived? Like, God, it would be better if none of this ever happened. Like three is ugly and it is, it is raw. It is emotional in every way. It, it, to, chapter two, Job is blessing God. He's worshiping God. He, he's even submitting to God's will as his wife curses him and walks away. He, he, here he is in chapter three and all the emotions come pouring out. He, he doesn't say it all right. <laughs> He, he actually says a lot of things that we would argue with and, and say things, but he's, he brings it all to God. He brings it all. And the, the important thing there is he brings it to God. You see, when we, when we just sit alone in our room and we're screaming and, and we're, we're just saying things, like with your parents sometimes, you're just being really loud and you're like, you're not really saying it to them, but you're hoping that they hear how angry you are. Like those moments where we're just kind of uh, erupting, that's, a, that's where we start to wallow and we just start to sit in our own sadness. But here is Job and he's saying this to God. I would ask you, like, have you ever been really, um, like, brought all of yourself to God? I think sometimes we, we think, oh, God couldn't handle that. God can handle it. God can handle all of what you're feeling, all that you're scared about, all that you're, you're fearful of, all that hasn't gone the way that you had hoped, all that you feel like you have lost, all that you have, have shame around. God can handle all of that. This is Job bringing it to God. And I think there's an invitation for us in there as well. And so what we tend to do, what I tend to do, is try to go around these hard moments and go around the difficulties. I would like to learn all the lessons that God wants to teach me, but not through the process that he has. I would love to learn humility while not being humiliated. I would love to learn how to pray without being desperate. I would love to be somebody who is really the best of friends to everyone in my life, uh, but somehow I'm not, and I, I find myself struggling in all this. You see, we, we learn so much by going through and not around. And Job, in the middle of it, in, the, in the, the darkest parts of the through, is pouring out his heart, not just to some emptiness, not just to, to an empty room, but to God. And it gets pretty ugly. He is in need of his friends. He is emotionally volatile. And here he is, Job, the third thing, Job is trusting God. He's trusting in God. 
From the very beginning and through all of it to the end, what grounds Job's comfort, what, what like produces this worship in him is this reality that God is in control. Now that's hard and he's in this tension of trying to say, this is the experience, it's what I'm going through, but God is sovereign and he is in control. He holds all of this in his hands. Notice what he says in verse 10. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You see, Job knows. Job knows that his life is in God's hands. Job knows that God knows the beginning from the end. Job knows that God knows what's over that hill and he doesn't. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it something that's like really encouraging in every way because it's terrifying. And that's where we find Job. But he knows something about God. You see, what we know of God and, and what we don't know of God, those, those aspects that we would like answers to but don't have the mystery of God, these, these collide in our lives in moments like this. Like, God, how does this happen? <laughs> Often we, we say, why? Why did this happen, God? Why, why on earth did this happen? And yet there are no what-ifs with God. Trusting God is recognizing that he's right there He's not asleep at the wheel. He, he's not off duty. He hasn't checked out. He isn't on vacation. That God is, is right there with you in every bit of what you're going through. And trusting in God is not staring into a void and saying, is there anything out there? It's recognizing that there is even in those dark moments where you can't see left from right. In all of this misfortune and everything that he's going through, it, it, he is still in touch with this God. And he's, he's asking big questions. Can, can this still be the same God that he's served all those years? And what has God become from him? What is God leading him to? And those are the questions that he's asking and those are the questions that, that we are asking. And so it's right here as we, we go through this and we, we've just read the end of chapter three in this that we, we see that the, the author of this book has brought us to these questions. Like how on earth can God be doing this? And I would remind you that that same God that we spoke of in the forgotten father, that same God who loves us, who leaves the porch, who runs after us, that same God who meets us in everything is at work here. He's not a different God. He's not a different God. And the author has brought us right here to a spot where you're, you're asking those questions. Where the author is basically leading us through this story of Job to ask you and I these questions of how would you respond when your life gets turned upside down? How would you? How would you react? 
The author brings us right to the end. He doesn't offer answers. It doesn't answer this question that Job is pouring out. It simply brings us to it and like a good uh, storyteller, he, he stops and lets you fill in and say, where would you be in this story if your life gets turned upside down? And when you're met with those moments, where are you with, with people who are going through that? What kind of friend are you for those that are hurting in your life? Chad, what kind of person are you when it doesn't go your way? And those questions are all coming out right here in it. How would you respond? How would you reconcile the presence of God with the enormous pain that is being carried right here? It's, it's not crying out, for every theological nuance. It's crying out for the real and the raw faith that says, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what the circumstances bring. No matter what the circumstances bring. You see, unless the suffering of Job drives us back to the God who makes himself personally known, unless that suffering shows us this God who is personally known through the, the person and work of Jesus, then we miss what's actually going on in this book. And we think it's just a, it's just a book of, of look how hard it can be for someone. Unless we, we see that God is one who has a plan that is working this long game in our lives, that God is not leaving us alone, that God hasn't forgotten us, and he's not just some masochist who's trying to hurt, hurt us. Unless we see those things, we'll miss what is actually happening here. See, Job doesn't see his pain as something simply to dismiss or ignore or numb out. He sees his pain as something that points him right back to God. And, and that pointing back isn't just some happy face or happy expression that he puts on. It's actually very raw and it's very difficult. That's something for you and I to know as well. That being a Christian isn't just putting a happy face on. It's actually letting this, this king and this Lord, this redeemer, do what only he can do in your life. You see, the story of Job, the story of Job points to God's plans and purposes being much bigger than Job could have ever understood. And the story of the Bible is the same, pointing to this God whose plans and purposes are much bigger and more beautiful than you and I often give credit to. And so if you would, I'd ask you to bow your heads with me. And I want to leave us where the author leaves us. In this awkward moment of being alone with your own heart and your own thoughts. Your own fears, maybe your own current suffering, maybe your own insecurities or shame or, or failings. And I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna ask you to do a really uncomfortable thing with me. When I finish, I'm not going to say amen. 
I'm going to sit down and we're going to sit for a moment in silence and listen to the Lord and what he's drawing out of you. Because I think there are, there are a number of us here who, who really need to have people in our life. We need our friends walking with us in difficult circumstances. And there are others that need to actually be honest and real with the Lord. And there may be people in here who actually need to trust God and need help walking through that. And so, Father, you are good and just and loving and present even in our darkest moments. And you meet us even in places where we would rather not be. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the gift of lament even in the hardest moments that we would walk through. And that your spirit would be at work in each and every one of us in this moment to trust, to respond, and to follow after you as you lead us.